bless you. God bless you, beautiful people. This is Reverend Carrie Holmes with a word to encourage you to carry on. And today's topic with this Facebook Live here at just about 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, in the middle of our week, uh, or almost to the end of our week, is overcoming the principality of racism, particularly in the church. So we're going to go through a lot of scriptures. We're going to pray, we're going to sing, we're going to worship, and we're going to do some spiritual warfare as we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I want to invite you to um, share your comments or any concerns that you have. This is especially um, to really engage those of you who, um, first of all, have a prophetic calling. So that's the first people that I just want to call into this Facebook Live. If you have a prophetic calling and you know that um, you're seeing some things happen and you've been in prayer about this, uh, I want to really just get into the scriptures and I'm going to give you the scriptures because you know whenever I do Facebook Live, because you never know how long someone can be with you and I really treasure your time, I want to give you the scriptures because if you are people of God, your prayer warriors, your intercessors, your pastors, apostles, prophets, and leaders, um, as the Lord has given you an anointing, he will speak to you from the word of God. So let me encourage you with these scriptures that we're going to be looking at right away. And then if you have to run, you'll have the word on it. All right. And that's probably going to be one of my hashtags. Let's get the word on it. Right. Put the word on it. Exodus chapter 10, where we see um, the sorcerers of Egypt withstanding uh, Moses and Aaron. Although they had the command of God to set the captives free, there was a barrier, right? So we see in Exodus chapter 9 and Exodus chapter 10. Also want to encourage you, those of you who are Bible flippers, you know, you go through your Bible and you know it very well, to look at Daniel chapter 10. Uh, this tells us that there was a principality that withstood the answers that Daniel uh, the, the the angel that was sending, bringing Daniel the answers. And we know that that's a scripture that indicates there was some particular opposition to the answer of prayer that he needed. But we need to understand that as it pertains to principalities that back up government and government edicts, right? And then, of course, we know the scripture of 2 Corinthians 10.4. And I love when I heard someone say that that's like breaker breaker 10.4. That's the call to heaven. And that is when we see the answer and we see that we have reinforcements that there are a host of heaven and angels that will do exactly what the word of God says they'll do. They'll protect us. They will advance the kingdom of God. And of course, that is 2 Corinthians 10, 4. And I'll read it for you right now. For the weapons of our warfare, come on, people of God, are not carnal, hallelujah, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself hallelujah against the knowledge of god and brings it into captivity amen and every thought into the obedience of christ and uh one of the other scriptures that and i'm telling you there's a lot of scriptures but i'd love for you to get a hold and then you go into study on them in ephesians chapter 6 we know this is where the bible talks us to us about having the uh, the full armor of God, right? And it tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6, 12, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So therefore, it says that we must take unto us the whole armor of God, that we would be able to withstand in the evil day. 
Having done all to stand, we stand therefore, having our loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, hallelujah, and our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, take the shield of faith. This is why we talk about putting the word on it wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, giving us a picture of a true battle scene, and take the helmet of salvation. This is going to keep your mind and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then it encourages us, come on prayer warriors, to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watch thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, even the ones who don't agree with you and get mad at you for addressing the issue of racism in the church. And also, uh, we are going to look at 2 Timothy to get a, a real good understanding of what we are facing in this day and age as far as the stronghold of racism, particularly as it pertains to its operation in the church, dismantling it, addressing the strong men, casting it down, and uh, bringing in the Lordship of Jesus Christ and operating as people seated in heavenly places. Amen. And that is Second Timothy chapter 3, where it speaks of Janus and Jambres, which parallels our understanding of what happened in Exodus when Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and told them what the Lord God had said, the Lord God Jehovah, I am who said, let my people go. We're going to look at how the sorcerers withstood him. And here in the New Testament, it tells us who they were by name. Now, Janus and Jambres, this is 2 Timothy 3, verse 8. Listen to this, folks. Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. So do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly will be made manifest unto all men as theirs, Janus and Jambres, also was. But you know, this is Paul talking to Timothy. He said, you know, fully my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering, my charity, which is also uh, translated as love and my patience, my persecution and afflictions. And he goes on to say, you know who I am and what I've established in Christ and for the kingdom of God. Listen, before we get into all of these scriptures and study exactly how to address the strong man of racism in the church and how to prevail with the love of Christ and that we truly do have and will have and can have the victory, I want to just pray. Amen. And we want to ask the Lord to just have his way in our time and in our conversation. And I want to ask the Lord to have his way in me as I speak on this. And then I want to just sing and worship the Lord a little bit because we know that that is one of our most awesome weapons is to have um, spiritual warfare accompanied by worship. Amen. So um, thank you so much to those of you who are joining me. I will repeat those scriptures and of course I'll post them. Um, this is going to be the next installment for those who would like to join me um, in three weeks uh, sessions. I'm giving a course on Amazing Grace. And we dealt with a lot of the secular um, topics and issues um, that are facing us today. But this next session is going to be particularly for those of you that are engaged in, as intercessors as spirit, in spiritual warfare, those of you who have a prophetic mantle on your life, and those um, who operate with an apostolic mantle to be able to really understand from the word of God and then work in concert together to see God reign in the church. And um, let's just pray and ask the Lord to have his way. I promise to add the links for that 
course, if you'd like to register and go through it with me in the next three weeks, we are going to look at an amazing grace through the prophetic lens. And I'm so excited that the word of God gives us the victory, right? We overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony, and we love not our lives unto the death. Um, Let's just pray and then we'll go into worship. Amen. Thank you, Lord God, for who you are. We bless your name today, Father, and we thank you for your power and your presence. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, that you are atoning, uh, atoning sacrifice for us. You said you wouldn't leave us comfortless, Jesus, but that you would send the Holy Spirit, the spirit of comfort and the spirit of truth. I ask you to come now. Uh, Holy Spirit, hide me behind the cross, wash me in your blood, and enable me to speak that which you have illuminated in your word as truth, and give us, Lord God, ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. In your name, we thank you, and we praise you. Amen. Well, I pray you can say amen to that prayer. I know because we're talking about racism that a lot of people think it is a secular issue, um, because of what is happening. Um, I should probably tell you in case you share this video and for those of you who may be just, you know, newly engaging with me on Facebook, maybe you've seen me sing, um, as part of the gospel singing group on time, the Holmes family or engaged with me at a community event, uh, like the mother's day outreach we just did, or, um, the one we did for father's day. There's so many different ways that we connect online and I don't want to take for granted that maybe we haven't met directly we may not have had an opportunity to share, you know, in fellowship. So really knowing, um, you know, who someone is kind of helps to know their background. So I can share with you very quickly as an ordained minister since 2011, I always knew as a young child that I would be in ministry. My mom and dad um, walked in ministry and they did it with such love. They came to the Lehigh Valley before um, my brother, sister, and I were born, and they came out of an awesome house of ministry under the late Pastor Benjamin Smith Sr., um, and we thank God that the memory of the just is blessed. And they were a word church, Deliverance International Churches. I mean, their reputation as a word church, as a church of deliverance, of power, of outreach, of evangelism, um, just an example to so many um, people in ministry. There's so many churches that were modeled after them because of how they ministered to the community, how they grew the kingdom, and how they reached people with love. And the word of God was like center. You needed to have two and three scriptures before you could stand up and say anything. And you really didn't have anything to say unless it was from the word. So that's the stock in short with so much, so many more layers that my mother and father came out of. Then they um, came here to go to school at United Wesleyan, received their um, you know, credentials there, and um, then they got married, and then I came, then I came, and then several years later, Kimberly, our sister. And of course, here in ministry, um, you, know, you know us as the Holmes family, and those who know us as the gospel singing group, that's what we do. Um, but it was really from my mom and dad ministering the word at different churches where they would then be invited to sing, which is part of the construct. They were preachers. They weren't singers. But because people saw them as black skinned people, they automatically assumed that they sing. We'll talk about that later. And although it was, um, you know, not something that was offensive or necessarily hurtful, it was something that they recognized. And probably my my mom, Dr. Holmes, Mama Holmes, as many of you call her, would um, say more particularly how that was for her. But 
needless to say, as we came in to, you know, as a, being raised and as we came into ministry, that was a part of our life as part of what we did. And we understood our call to be able, like Moses, to speak to um, areas where people were captive culturally and, and held captive spiritually as well. Because we understood from the word of God as we were being raised up that we were here in the Lehigh Valley where there was quite a bit of prejudice. And that prejudice was also prevalent and and extremely prevalent uh, and, and, and at work in the church and at churches where we would be invited to minister or where the Lord would send us. So suffice it to say that I never, ever, ever heard my mother or my father speak a negative word about any ministry in the entire Lehigh Valley region, tri-state area, Delaware, down south, up to Maine or below. And now growing up a little bit, I'm, I'm more amazed at that than ever. I remember my father would always say, keep your heart right, baby girl, keep your heart right. And I share this with you so that when we get into these these, these places where the truth is being spoken in love, that we'll be able to really understand um, the heart from which we're coming from um, and the heart from which we must come from when addressing this. When you address a principality, and I'm going to talk to the prophets right now, when you address a principality and a power, and I just kind of go in there and then we'll build this up and, and kind of take those who are with us through the scripture in it. I wish I could see your comments. Um, You know, I'll answer you everyone when... I wish I could see your comments. I can see, hello, that there's several people live with me. But I don't want to topple the phone or lose you. Where's the comments? Oh, I wish I could answer you guys. Let me see. Let me see if I can. No, it's letting me write a comment, but it's not letting me see your comments. Hmm. Where? All right, somebody type a comment to me. Let me see if I can see you. If you need me, just I'll go back out and, and talk to everybody. So just sharing with you a little bit about myself and where that background comes from. Um, and, and that, you know, I'm a people person. I love people. And that's part of my ministry is to love people. And when you love people, it doesn't mean you don't address things that need to be addressed and you don't get a hold of the truth. Because if you love someone, you want to see them walking in the best that God has for them and in the power of the living God. And if there's one thing that we are seeing now that is really, um, affecting the church and affecting the world is our witness when it comes to how we love one another. But this is not just because it's, I'm not just talking about this because it's a, an issue. Obviously you can see I'm a brown skinned girl. I am a black woman, right? So I'm an African-American, I have an experience, but the, the ministry of the word of the Lord God um, and the power of the living God supersedes all of that. And if we are able to operate as kingdom ambassadors, we're not going to be drawn into the secularism of this world. We will address those principalities and powers that are at work, but we don't, we don't mirror them. We always seek to mirror Christ, right? So for those of you who may not know me, you may think that this is an address because of where we are today, not recognizing that this is something that the Lord has given our family to address and to 
um, you know, this stronghold and this principality that's in operation in the world, in this region, Allentown, Bethlehem, and Easton, uh, and the Poconos and what have you, is is not something that's new to us. So if you're new to me and new to me addressing this, welcome. Welcome to the power of God that is able to prevail and the love of God. But let me say also that um, it's very important that we um, that we hear one another and hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to the churches. So I just wanted to sing. This, these songs were really in my spirit and I just wanted to sing to the Lord um, that he would wash us and cleanse us because we all are experiencing as kingdom ambassadors, we are in this world, but not of it, right? So we need to be washed. We need to be cleansed. African-American, Asian, Latino, everyone, whoever you are from, from whatever ethnic background, right? Our faith in Jesus Christ, is, you know, lets us know that he's our, he's our atonement. He's the one who cleanses us, our minds and our hearts. He's the one who gives us to operate in love, right? So um, I just want to take us through those steps to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Um, I love this song that says, wash me over again, whether it's my thoughts, my ideas as a person of color, as a black woman, as an African-American, as a person of black African heritage, or whether it's you, my friend and my sister and brother who's watching me and you're Caucasian and you have your ethnic background, right? Polish, Swedish, um, Italian, um, German, right? So Scandinavian, so on, etc. Whatever that is, we, and we're going to talk about this in just a little bit, um, and I'm going to go as quickly as I can to really um, just share with you as much as I can, and then I'm going to invite you to join me for the three-week course of Amazing Grace and really looking at this from a spiritual perspective so that we can overcome racism in the church uh, and, and represent Jesus Christ in the church at large. So, I'm going to invite you to sing with me. I'm going to invite you to worship with me. Amen. And ask God to wash us, to cleanse us, our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Amen. Of any thoughts, feelings, or anything that's not like him. And then when we dive into the word, we'll have that free space. You all know that worship breaks up the fallow ground. Amen. And it, it's what dissolves the, the barrier that's often there for us to be able to hear the word. And I love the words of this song. It's simply, watch me over again. Wash me over again in your precious blood. Wash me over again. Wash me over again. Wash me over again in your precious blood. Wash me over for again, wash me all for again, wash me all for again in your precious blood, wash me all for again, wash us all for again, wash us over again in your precious blood. Wash us over, over again, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Yes, 
church pray for your church in my church do it in my church lord move in my church move in my church i feel the anointing right there until we look like you till we look like you move in my church Move, 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 move in my church, move in my church, have your way, I hope you're praying with me, have your way, have your way, Jesus have your, your way, come on, if you have your way, God, we'll be all right, have your way, have your way, I pray that you feel and sense the anointing, because when we call out to God, he gets us out the way, so that he can have his way, amen and amen, listen, let me give you these scriptures one more time so that those of you who study and know the word can really understand where we're going with this. The scripture that I left you with, hallelujah, bless your name. Listen, I'm a tongue talking, Holy Ghost filled woman of God. So don't be surprised if you hear me speaking in other tongues, hallelujah. We thank God for his inspiration and we don't take for granted the spirit of the Lord being with us. And I pray that it it indeed, I declare that it is breaking up the fallow ground so that we'll be able to have the love of God shed abroad in our hearts and you'll be able to hear what the Spirit of, of the Lord is saying to the churches. Remember that 2 Timothy 3 tells us that Janus and Jambres, they were sorcerers of note and of name. They withstood Moses. So do these also, the people in the last days that, that, uh, that Paul is telling Timothy about. Paul, as a leader, as an apostle, is tell us that, telling the younger generation, tell, telling Timothy, listen, the Bible tells us, know that this is going to happen in the last days. Perilous times will come. And certainly, there, there's, there's probably no one that would dispute that we are in those days. Perilous times shall come. The word perilous there is only used maybe two times in the Greek. And the other place that it's used is when Jesus casts out, which we're going to look at, the demoniac uh, and the, the demons that were holding the region and causing the, the man um, who eventually would come to worship and go and spread the gospel, holding him captive as uh, as the demons possessed him. So this is 
the same word, perilous, demonic forces are at work in this day and age. Remember the Bible talks about the day that will be evil in the last and evil day, right? So perilous times will come. You can study this. Go on to biblehub.com, pull it up on your iPad, your iPhone, your iWhatever, and look at that word perilous times. You'll see it's used only two times in scriptures. So we are in those last days. Men will become lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. And again, this is not addressing ethnicity. This is addressing activity. Amen. They will become lovers of themselves. They will not have natural affection. They will be truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent. They won't be able to control themselves, fierce, angry, mad about it and having no filter, right? Despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. And all of this seems like natural activity, bad acting, people just having bad attitudes, not acting well. But listen to the scriptural key that comes up in verse eight. It says they'll have, they'll be traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. They'll have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof from such. The scripture says, turn away. He says, I want this generation. Paul is speaking to Timothy as the younger. He says, I want you to turn away from all of that. But then he says, for this sort are they that creep into houses. They lead captive silly women laden with sin, laden with divers lusts, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now he gives them a litany of how they're going to act, of the activity that they will be carrying out. But then verse eight gives us the key. And then we're going to hop over to Exodus to see exactly how this happened and what is Paul talking about? He says, now Janus and Jambres, this is the same way that they withstood Moses. So do these people that he's just described that are going to be active in the last days. They resist the truth. Please hear me today in the love of God and do not resist the truth. Even if it makes us uncomfortable in our culture, we cannot turn our ears deaf to the word of God in the spiritual. In the spiritual realm, we have to hear what it is that the spirit says to the churches. And God is not surprised by all of this bad acting racism and, and riots and all of these things and hatred. He said this is what would happen. Nation, ethnos, would rise against nation. He is not surprised by it, but he gave us some specific instructions. I don't want to tell you, people of God, we want everybody to get along. We all want to, everybody just love everybody. But the specific instructions, we fail to follow them. And then we wonder why we fail to get the results that God called for us to have. We wonder why people are leaving our church. People are standing up and making political platforms and People are not feeling the love of God and they're not experiencing the love of God. And all of these things are happening while we are in the last days and God wants to use us as lights in the world. But he says the same way that this bad acting and acting up is going to come to pass in the last days, understand that all of these activities, we can clearly see them and it looks like just um, people acting bad. It looks like, you know, people out of control, but the scripture tells us that it is the, the, all of these things occurring is the same as when Janice and Jambres withstood Moses. Now, the reason this becomes relevant is when we look back in Exodus, and this is the scripture that I first gave you in Exodus 9 and 10, Janice and Jambres, who were they? They were sorcerers and they were powerful. I'm going to read you a, a 
couple of passages of scripture from Exodus here so that you can understand how they withstood them. And then we understand that Paul is telling Timothy, this is what's going to happen in the last days. That is also confirmed in the very first scriptures there in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, when he describes to him these perilous times. That word perilous is paralleled with the demonic activity that held um, the region that the uh, demoniac was in. And we're going to look at that to understand how we kick this demon of racism that holds the Lehigh Valley and operates in this region. As soon as one church starts working with one, then another breaks up and breaks down in their relationship with another, particularly when it pertains to race, race relations and ethnicity, most especially. And we're going to look at how God really addresses that and gives us the victory, all right? Because we're talking about not just understanding it, but being able to operate at a prophetic level where we pull down that stronghold, all right? So you see here um, that Paul is telling Timothy, this is a spiritual warfare. Many of you know the scriptures that we just read in, in Corinthians 10, 4 and Ephesians 6, that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And we know that like the back of our hand. But listen to me when I'm telling you about this cultural piece. We know, as much as we might like to spiritualize it, you know that the children of Israel were held captive because the Egyptians had not only um, control over them, but they hated them culturally right? They hate them, hated them and their ethnicity. They hated them and counted them less than socially. And the word of the Lord comes to Moses and he says, I've anointed you. I want you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And when they got there, the Bible says that he brought together the elders. And I want to address this thing about people saying that protest doesn't do anything. And what's that all about? If you would have looked at Moses and Aaron gathering with all of the elders, they name them. They list them and say, this is the ones that came up and that led and that went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. A group of people who are slaves coming up into Pharaoh's house, telling them, let my people go, is going to look a lot like a protest. I mean, I need you to picture it because the word of God tells us this is what they did. When we look at it in the movies, right, you always see Moses there and he's got the rod and Aaron standing next to him. The Bible tells us, beloved, that Moses and Aaron and all of the elders, right, all of the elders, the community leaders got up and said, we are telling you what thus saith the Lord, let my people go. This is not an invitation. They didn't, they didn't get an invitation to Pharaoh to have a conference call. This was not an invitation to a Zoom, let's fix it and see why you're not happy about the bricks that you have to make and about the fact that Joseph, who originally was honored and was originally beloved here and who saved our nation, is now his descendants and his people are slaves. They are subjected and, and they are denigrated to the, I mean, come on, this is not an invitation. They did not come into Pharaoh's palace by invitation. If you wanted to have an ax to grind with people who are kneeling, with people who are protesting, with people who are speaking up, with people who are gathering, with people who are blocking uh, traffic, we have not been invited as an oppressed people to come into a conference room and have pretty little conversations. When God says, let my people go, you go with his anointing, you go with his words. Now, if you in the church want to debate whether or not African-Americans have the right to say, let us go, we are children of God, we should not be subjected to 
um, lower economic standards, redlining. We should not be subjected in a nation that calls itself just, that says it is going to follow the laws of God to um, poor schools and less than. And let's bring it home to the Lehigh Valley. Emmaus and Parkland having computers in this pandemic lined up for the, I mean, those students already had that, but Allen, William Allen High School and our local school district had to struggle. Thank God that God rose up people like Yamalisa and others. God bless you, everyone who did something. Thank God for you to get these children their computers. But we understand this is not something that you're gonna sit down and have a pretty little conversation about because when oppression happens, the voice of the oppressed cries out. Now. The Bible says that they had a divine strategy. I'm not talking about anarchy, and but I'm just letting us know that the picture of this prettiness, the way we want it to happen, very lovely-like, that was not the case with Moses and Aaron and the elders. And please read the scripture so that you can see that the elders went with Moses and Aaron. Now, the Bible says that there was a sorcery at work in the kingdom of Egypt and Janice and Jambres represented and activated that sorcery and they worked very powerfully in it. Now, if you'll remember this in the scripture, and I want you to read it for yourselves, that the Bible says that um, God had given Moses power to perform wonders and signs and miracles. Now, Moses, when he comes back to Egypt, remember he was raised there, he had an understanding of how they operated, right? So when God showed him this wonder, you can see when you read the scripture, if you, if you pick up on the fact that he understood that they operated with sorcery to enforce their oppression, hear me when I tell you, just like we're about to see in Daniel, there are principalities that back up certain ideas and policies. And if those policies are not of God, those demonic forces are what we would know or call or most recognize as demonic forces. The scripture tells us that they are principalities and that's something different than demons that operate in the earth realm. But these principalities and powers, remember we're gonna see Daniel in chapter 10, he was praying as a counselor and a governor to five, or he was a counselor and an advisor to five different governors that ruled, right? And the Bible tells us, this is where we get the Daniel fast from, that he sought the Lord for three weeks. And in that three-week time period, in that 21-day time period, the, the host of heaven finally comes to him. We're going to look at it and says to him, Daniel, greatly beloved, when you sought your face to seek the Lord, I was sent with the answer. But the prince of Persia, a supernatural power withstood me. So let's understand that that supernatural power is named by the region. Okay? So here are the children of Israel in Egypt. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament the notable names of the two individuals. Now, you remember the scripture says that a thousand, one will put a thousand to flight, two will set ten thousand. It is particularly of note in the, in, the, in the realm of spiritual warfare. And please, those of you that operate in the prophetic and you understand intercessory uh, prayer, prophetic worship, and so on, etc., hear this in the spirit. Those two that were named, they were very powerful. And we're going to look at the scripture here. The scripture says in Exodus chapter 9, before these two were even named, it, when you read it, it's, it sounds like it was a whole group of sorcerers because they had a, a great deal of control. 
Remember that when Elijah and Elisha stood on, 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 on the mount, the prophet said, you know, they got the prophets of Baal. I think it was something like 450. And they began cutting themselves and calling on Baal. Now, God showed himself to be God because there was one man who stood and called on the name of the Lord. But let us understand that these operations in government, right? Pharaoh was a governmental power. It was backed and was able to keep its stronghold because of the sorcery behind it. And that sorcery was the power of the enemy. We who are prophetic have the power to speak to racism, racism in our nation, the spirit of hatred, the spirit of division, and cast it down. It is not stronger than our God, and it does not have more power than us, for greater is he that is in us, hallelujah, than he that is in the world. So in Exodus chapter 9, look at this in verse, uh, let's start with verse 8. And the Lord says to Moses, to Aaron, take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, ashes out of the fire. And let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. Now, I just need you to picture this because this is some kind of sight. And if you, and you saw anybody do this today, you, you have a couple of names to call them and it would not be a child of God. So they put the small dust in all the land. He said, if you do this, it will become small dust in the land of Egypt and it will be a boil breaking out. So they did that in verse 10. Exodus chapter 11, it says the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils that took a hold of them. I want to back up so that you can see a few more things about Janice and Jambres as they're named in the New Testament and how they caused sorceries to reinforce the oppression. And this is so that we as people of God can understand that there is a principality at work in the nation of America and that there are high powers and wickedness in high places that is causing division and we are responsible to cast them down and we are gifted and called and seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus to do this spiritual work of not allowing these principalities to reign. All right, so the Bible tells us in chapter 9, I wanted to read for you particularly where uh, Moses stretched forth his, his, his rod. Um, this is, again, in, in Exodus chapters 9 and 10, and you are going to see how God is making it plain that there was spiritual forces at work um, with Moses and Aaron. Now, the Bible also tells us that, um, that Pharaoh, his heart was hardened and that he had these individuals as uh, advisors also in his ear. For people to say that we're not to speak to these things in government, um, yes, the Bible tells us to pray for those in leadership, but the scripture also tells us as far as leadership in the church, to cry aloud and spare not, to lift up your voice as for those of you that are prof in, in prophetic and given that prophetic mantle. There are those with that prophetic mantle that are to cry aloud, spare not, to lift up their voice like a trumpet. And it says, show my people their transgression because they act like people that approach God, right? So we're talking about racism in the church. You act like you love me. You act like you're for me. You go across the platform speaking the way I preach and talking the way that we understand in black vernacular and act like that's a part of your church and who you are. And then when something like this happens where Black Lives Matter is the secular, you know, voice that's speaking, we hear nothing from the church. That's problematic. I told one of my girlfriends, I'm going to start using the hashtag, get your own oil. 
if you are going to borrow from the oil of the African-American experience, the African-American sound and the sound of worship and the cry of our praise and say nothing about our pain, something is wrong. I'm going to say that again. If you are going to borrow from the sound of our praise, which the Lord has given us as a people to release into the earth and to build the body of Christ and be silent about our pain, there is something wrong. The Bible says to mourn with those who mourn and to sorrow with those who sorrow. And we are not just here to sing over pain that has been inflicted to us by and large in the body of Christ. You understand that the development of most denominations, brothers and sisters, in Western America is as a result of the fact that our Caucasian brothers and sisters would thrust us out of church. The Southern Baptist uh, Convention and the Southern Baptist uh, Fellowship, that division between white and black is not because people weren't worshiping together like God originally intended, but because most of Church of God and Christ. The Church of God says we have this here and we push out the black people and those who want to worship. Now, God continues to have his way, but we know that Paul said, listen, if you have to say, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of this sector, I'm of that denomination, he says, you're doing it because you're carnal. And a lot of that carnality and that division that still stands today, so that we even have to talk about a white church, a black church, a Spanish church, is because the people of God did not operate in the love of God and cast down the uh, traditional, secular, world cosmos thinking about racism and about black people and African-Americans being less than. If that had been annihilated in the first place, we would not be where we are today. And let me tell you, God is calling us into account for it. And I pray that you can hear it through these scriptures uh, and understand that the scripture surely tells us uh, if through the Exodus, we know that they got the victory, right? And that they came out. But all of these plagues that were visited on Egypt were as a result of the fact that Pharaoh refused to let these people go. That was their economic structure. That was their, um, their, their workforce, their labor force. It is, if, if there's nothing else in the word of God that is an absolute picture of Western America and the American um, historical picture. I don't know what it is, what is, but the Bible shows us that, um, God gave freedom and he gave a release to the captives. And I don't know if you can understand, uh, where African Americans are today through not just slavery, but through systematic oppression that still operates today. So that having, when I was sharing this with a beautiful sister the other day, Having friends who are African-American and sitting next to people in a, pul in a pulpit or sitting next to people in your worship service is very different than speaking spiritually, governmentally, and physically, and actually to the principality of racism in the world and in the church. And certainly, if we are going to speak to it in the world, we've got to deal with it in the church. Amen? which is the reason why we have to pray and fast and we have to recognize the word of God. Let me just take a minute to find this scripture in particular in Exodus. Um, the scripture shows us that these, um, that these uh, sorcerers were, were backing up Pharaoh and it's part of the reason why there was such a fight. And I believe 
that again for those of you who are spiritual you'll be able to hear and understand that this is spiritual this is not just natural and some of us are really getting a sense like man for it to be this bad something's got to be behind it something's got to be going on so the scripture tells us as i just read for you in one example how janice and jambres uh, withstood moses and aaron but all of these plagues we see here <laughs> is is because of the uh, because of the the hold that greed and evil and hatred for God's people had on Pharaoh's heart, and we as the people of God, we should we should want to be the examples of things being different, right? We shouldn't have these divisions in the church. Amen. So the Bible tells us that um, all of these things transpiring were because Pharaoh refused to let the, wife, the, the children of Israel go. So here it is in, in Exodus 7 that Pharaoh called the wise men <laughs> because in verse 10, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. They did so as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down the rod before Pharaoh and before his servants and it became a serpent. It was a mighty sign and it was a mighty wonder. But then Pharaoh calls the wise men and the sorcerers, which we now know were led by Janus and Jambres. And the magicians of Egypt did also in like manner with their enchantments. But they cast down every man his rod and they became serpents. Some of the translations um, give the connotation that it's not their rods that became serpents, but the people themselves. And that's how deep the sorcery was that they transformed into these, um, serpents. But suffice it to say, however you read it, you know, from this verse and from the new Testament scripture that Janus and Jambres were named as key sorcerers that brought all of these powers, evil powers to support Pharaoh and his oppression. So we need to understand that as people of God. And again, I'm speaking this to people, obviously anybody can see it, but I, I'm, I'm praying that it catches the attention of those that operate in the apostolic and the prophetic and that operate as intercessors because you already know about these things and you have probably studied and received from the Lord um, an understanding about spiritual warfare. This is a key part of the spiritual warfare of casting down uh, the imagination and the work of racism in the world and in the church. But we understand that they were able to keep such a strong level of oppression on the children of Israel and such a strong deliverance was needed because their oppression was backed up by sorcery, backed up by spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, Janus and Jambres are the one who operated them. They cast down their rods. They become serpents. Aaron's rod swallows up their rods to prove that the power of God is greater than all of theirs. And this hardened Pharaoh's heart. He says, I'm not letting them go. Now, one of the other scriptures that helps us to understand this in terms of uh, governments, those of you, again, that are spiritually minded, governments that are backed up by principalities is Daniel chapter 10. I'll just go over it very quickly so that we can get to actually praying and actually um, operating in how to cast this down. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, this again is Dan. You remember Daniel in the lion's den. They hated him so much because his work was so stellar that they set up opposition against him. He, God brought him through the, uh, the lion's den and all of that has now passed and transpired and elevated Daniel to a place of great favor. 
So it says that a thing was revealed to Daniel, a vision and an understanding. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and he had understanding of the vision because this is something that Daniel was gifted in in visions and dreams. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Again, this is the picture of the Daniel's fast that we often talk about. I ate no pleasant bread, neither flesh, meat, or wine came to my mouth. I didn't anoint myself at all during these three weeks until they were fulfilled. In the four and twentieth day of the month, as I was by the side of the great river Hydekel, I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed with linen and his loins, it says, were covered with the gold of Uphaz. You can see this is bright gold, brilliant being walking towards Daniel. And he describes him. And then in verse seven, he says, Daniel sees this vision and no one else that was there with him saw it. And then this is the message that the, uh, that the, that the host of heaven brings him. He says in Daniel 10 verse 11, and I pray that you'll look at it for yourself. Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand, understand the words that I speak to you and stand up. And I want to just pause right here and share with you again, speaking the truth in love. God is calling us after prayer and fasting to stand up and to speak up. It is not division to address division. It is not a problem to speak of a problem. I know several people that have come onto my page or messaged me in my inbox, Carrie, why are you causing division talking about the white church and the black church? I'm addressing a problem. I'm not causing a problem. And I say that to you in the spirit of the Lord and with the spirit of power and a spirit of might to address that lie and that notion that when people speak the truth in love, that they are the problem. When you address a problem, when you address it with the word of God, it is so that it can bring conviction and correction. Not me, not my word, but that the Holy Spirit and God's word brings conviction and correction. We know that the scripture tells us no correction for the present time seems pleasant, but afterwards it will yield the peaceable fruits of righteousness. If we take the time to listen and to hear and even to yield to the Lord and just sit and pray about the pain, at the very least, if you can't understand the platform, if you can't understand the purpose, if you can at least pray about the pain that African-Americans are speaking up and God forbid that Black Lives Matter and secular institutions and secular voices would be speaking to racism in a greater louder, more powerful way than the church. The devil is a liar. This is something that is not um, created by media. It was one of the most hurtful things for me to receive in my inbox after having experienced this type of prejudice and police um, neglect and abuse directly in our family over years of being here in the Lehigh Valley. A dear friend who is Caucasian saying, look at this litany of uh, video resources that say the death of George Floyd was a hoax. Let me tell you, we just read in the scriptures, beloved, that in the last days, perilous times will come. People will manipulate and take news and they'll have uh, wars and rumors of wars. 
But that does not change what our response should be as the people of God. We recognize truth and we're not tricked. But when I tell you that there were no cameras when my brother was pulled over, handcuffed and put in the back of a police car because he was delivering his newspapers in the early morning, any of you who know my brother, any of you who know Ian Holmes, know that he would be too soft-spoken and for the report then to come back as he is brought to our home and to his mother and father out there working early working hard six o'clock in the morning they then described to my mother and father that they were looking for a six foot man 250 pounds in a sweatshirt the complete opposite of everything that i am could ever be and was at the age of a teenager delivering newspaper in an early morning uh paper route Come on, but because there's not cameras there, because I don't have a camera to deliver you every angle, you want to send me something that tells me that you believe that this is a hoax? Listen, the Bible tells us these things will be manufactured, they will be made up, but it is heartless and it is callous for you to turn a deaf ear to your black brothers and sisters who are in pain and can tell you of their very own pain. And the reason why this was so hurtful and so painful to receive from someone who you think is a believer and is a friend is because they have heard from my mother, from us as not just ministers, but as people at their dinner table, our true life experiences. It was just a, it was just a dagger in the heart to know that someone thought in this time of grief and national, uh, national pain that this was something that they should send. And I will also say this, it is part of the white supremacist system, uh, systemic uh, thought that has caught a hold in the earth that African-Americans are childlike and docile and, and unintelligent. For you to think that African-Americans haven't lived both our experience and your experience is in itself unimaginable. What I'm saying to you is that African-Americans have the intelligence to ascertain media manipulation, right? We know the difference between what we're seeing and what happened and what has happened to us. And we know the difference between a once and done isolated situation and a national epidemic of police brutality. Can somebody say amen? Because the spirit of God is the spirit of truth. He is also our comforter and our compassion. He is our compassionate comforter. And if you do not, if your Holy Spirit is broken, somebody hashtag fix your Holy Spirit, check your Holy Spirit. If that is your response to an African-American family, believers or people that you're in church with, what can I say? First of all, stop it because it's hurtful. Second of all, don't let your mind be taken over with the thought of the world, right? We're in the world, not of it. It is the world that has... Uh, established this thought pattern that African-Americans are infantile and, and docile and, and, and unintelligent. Don't do that to us. And if you have the spirit of Christ, you ought to be free from that type of thinking. And I declare in the name of Jesus, I loose you from that type of thinking where you see African-Americans. And I loose my brothers and sisters here in the church from that type of thinking. And I plead the blood of Jesus against it. And I say, Satan, you are a liar. The blood of Jesus is against you. Every thought and every thought system that comes from the world and the traditions 
of man that make the word of God of none effect, that dismantle our humanity and our divine ethnicity, I cast it down in the name of Jesus. And I challenge you, whatever race, color, or creed that you are, to do the same. Let me tell you that the word of God has so much to say. And as I said, I'll be offering this spiritual perspective over the next three weeks in my course, Amazing Grace. We've covered a lot of the secular information. Now we're going to address these things from the spiritual and supernatural perspective. And these will be our base scriptures um, because I felt it was necessary, definitely, of course, to address it in the natural and, and, and how to dismantle systemic racism. Uh, but in the church, we're going to be taking the next three weeks um, every Sunday at six o'clock to break this down and to loose this stronghold. Now, we understand here that Daniel is getting an answer to his vision. Amen. The Bible goes on to say that he told him, fear not from the first day, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, going back to this, the first day that you set your heart to understand this is something that we're asking all of our white brothers and sisters to do. Set your heart to understand, not to challenge, not to come into my Facebook page and prove and not to go on to some pastor's page and get in their inbox and prove them otherwise, but set your heart to understand. This is a supernatural way to see God move in our nation. Because remember, Daniel was the one who advised governments, right? He set his heart to understand. I, I, I wish I could find other words to emphasize that even more. But I pray that the, those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the churches. He says, you set yourself to humble yourself before God. Your words were heard. And I came because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, hear what the Spirit of the Lord is showing us. The prince of the kingdom of Persia, the kingdom of Persia was a real region and a real place, withstood me one and 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, they're talking about the army angels of God, the host of heaven. We call them angels, but they have many different ranks. Lo, Michael, look, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. He is not talking about natural kings. They're, they're the host of heaven. He's talking about spiritual warfare in the heavenly places. And he names the region where they operated. The Bible also tells us, if you understand a spiritual principle about things that happen in a region, we could never come, even when we were in ministry, out of Snexville or down from 209 or back and forth from Quakertown without being stopped by the police. Listen, it was without fail. And those of you who have experienced it to this day, you know that there are certain areas that you cannot go into and that you would even wouldn't, wouldn't even want to be in at night. And the terror of those times that should be behind us is coming upon us now. The people of God need to pray. And for us to receive emails and notifications that we're going to pray against violence, but never pray against racism or repent for racism, that the violence is as a result of, is preposterous, ridiculous, hurtful, and most importantly, it's unscriptural. It is not biblical. You cannot hop up onto a microphone and start speaking blessing over an area that has called a curse upon itself by acting outside of the laws of God. The Bible tells us that if you do what's righteous and just, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. But in this region, 
if you haven't uh, repented and you haven't come before the Lord, listen, I've heard someone saying, well, what do I have to repent for? I never owned any slaves. Well, you know, as a real estate agent, you are probably engaged. And as a doctor, you are probably engaged with the, you know, the statistic, the statistical um, oppression that is still going on for African-Americans. There's not one of us that can probably name in this Lehigh Valley region alone a nonprofit that serves African-Americans and Latinos that is not headed up and led by white males over 50. Where is our where is our natural mind to understand that it is individuals? And again, this is just in the secular world, right? There's the secular understanding, much less a gospel biblical understanding. We study, you know, in Acts chapter six, when the apostles understood that there was a, a grievance from another cultural group that was tied to them through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the family of God, they addressed it and said, you know what? It's best if you bring up the people of integrity from your own community because you said that we've neglected your widows because of culture, right? And the Bible says when they fix this thing and fixed it by empowering the people who had the complaint, empower the oppressed group. Not just because it's, it's you know, appropriate politics, but if you name the name of Christ, do what Christ did. We also looked at the example of John chapter 4 where Jesus sits at the well. He talks with a Samaritan woman. You all know the word. And anyone attracted to this video is probably full of the knowledge of the word of God, right? But the Bible tells us that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. How in the world that could come to be with a group that was there? Remember in Jesus' day, they were, being, they were brought because they were being taxed. God bless you, everyone. Thank you for hopping on. I pray that you can share this. I'm going to try to go as quick as possible. I love you, each and every one. And I really want to, um, to compassionately and passionately speak the truth in love. Dismantling racism in the church. Jesus was with his disciples. They were, they were the ones who were closest to him. And even they were amazed that he sat and talked with a woman of Samaria. We are amazed at people who have addressed this on their Facebook pages, in their church, in their pulpits. And we are the ones who spend the most time with Jesus, right? If you came through this pandemic and you came through this shutdown, maybe your church was one of the ones that stayed open. How did your church stay open and spend time with Jesus? And then you're amazed at people who are engaging uh, other people of other cultures to show them that I will not I will represent Jesus Christ. I will not let the traditions of this world and the cosmos that says, I am to hate you. You are to be oppressed. You are less than, than me and I am better than you. I will not let that notion rule. How do you come onto people's Facebook pages who are African-American, who are bleeding and dying and who have had their brothers, their sisters and their fathers and their mothers brutalized by the police, or treated inappropriately or kept from the appropriate things that they should have and justice and then tell them that they are bringing division or that you shouldn't be talking about it. How dare you? How dare you? In love, I say to you, how dare you? Because the love of Christ that's supposed to be shed abroad in our hearts is to examine these things through prayer. And when examined through prayer, the revelation, not only of pain but the revelation of racism and the reality of it is you you cannot be blind to it you cannot be blind to it 
And there are so many of our brothers and sisters who are white and who are Latino or who are in white skin identity that have done the hard work of praying and of crying and of sitting with us in this thing. So it lets us know that when the spirit of God gets a hold of your spirit, you cannot operate in that principality or under the influence. You will not operate under the influence of that principality that makes you hate someone or makes you greater than them in any way not in the church, not in your job, not in your home, and you become a voice piece and a vessel of God to speak against it in the workplace and in the prayer place. So we're getting in our prayer closet and we're going after this thing in prayer, right? Because we understand that this we see from the scripture. Janice and Jambres withstood Moses. There was a whole house of sorcerers that made it so that Pharaoh could keep the people under oppression. But when God sent a deliverer, that power of oppression and that power and sorcery that propped up that governmental greed and oppression was broken. Please hear me for those of you again that operate in the supernatural and the presence of God. I love you. I love you. I love you. And this is a reason why the words also are powerful because they're spoken truth in love, right? You don't have to necessarily, it helps if you know me, but you don't have to know me to know the truth when you hear it spoken in love. Let me tell you, if your response is, why are you talking about this? Why are you calling the white church, white church and black church, black church? If that's your response, you can see in the scripture that the righteous response is to release the people of oppression that cried. The Bible tells us, and this is a hope for my African-American brothers and sisters. The Bible tells us that by reason of the sigh of those who were oppressed, the children of Israel, God came down and saw about them. Regardless of the fact that Pharaoh's not hearing us, regardless of the fact that the police department's not hearing us, regardless of the fact that a pastor or a pastoral group may not hear us, it is God himself who heard the cries and the sighs of his people and came and visited them with deliverance. Hallelujah. And if nothing else can breathe hope into your spirit today, let me breathe hope into your spirit today with this word. God hears our cry. He is Emmanuel. He will meet us. If he has to come and bring you great favor and a new job so that you don't have to go back into an oppressive work situation, let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, God is the God of the impossible. This situation nationally church spiritually economically looks absolutely impossible but my god is the god of the impossible and he has the power to do what no other power can do but we need to understand as spiritual people that there are governmental forces in the natural that are supported by spiritual evil forces in the supernatural and again I'm, I'm talking to the people that are spiritually minded. So you, you see this in the scripture. Someone else who's watching might be, what is she talking about? But you can see through the scripture, you can clearly see through the scripture that Janice and Jambres were sorcerers that withstood Moses. And Moses had to go and address the political and governmental power while having the spirit of God in the supernatural to withstand this house of sorcery. Then also we see with Daniel, 
that there was a withstanding of the answer. But I declare to us in the name of Jesus for this nation and for this region, Allentown, Bethlehem, and Easton in the tri-state area, every place that we've traveled and we've been able to minister where we've put the sole of our feet, we claim for the kingdom of God that the answers are on the way. And I declare that in the name of Jesus, the answers are on the way. And I challenge you, and I, I challenge you and I dare you in the spirit to look over the next three week time period and watch and see if you don't see God show up, right? Now, listen, we're quick to say, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways. This is true promise from the word of God. But I have to tell you that God specifically addresses the power group that is doing the oppression to fix the problem. And this is true in the church. So I have to address this when we're talking about dismantling racism and the spirit of hatred uh, and the spirit of division in the church. When we have this conversation and everybody's kind of like just getting along and you've got the, you know, African-American pastor, the black pastor, the Latino pastor, you know, it's like one for each racial group, right? If we can even, you know, do the due diligence to find our Asian brothers and sisters. And oh my goodness, if we actually sought out and have relationship with our first American brothers and sisters, you know, we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves because we immediately call culture black and white, right? And a multicultural church means you have black, white, and Latino, right? Forgetting that the, the Bible shows us that every nation, every kindred, every tribe, every tongue is around the throne. Let me say this here, that our ethnicity we see is eternal and divine. The race construct that we have in Western America and we have in society today is far removed from that. But for you to say you don't see color from a God who painted the entire world blues and greens and yellow and then gave hues and language and ethnicity to his people is an insult to God, much less an insult to me and to those of us who have color and you being a person of culture and ethnicity yourself, even if you are labeled in the secular system as white. And in some ways, that secular system is designed to group everyone together who's German, Italian, um, Sweden, you know, into one group. And that was designed on purpose, right? So they can be this group of white-skinned people and then strip you of your culture. It's a lie against you as well because it's a lie against the beauty of how God has represented a part of himself in humanity. And we see them all gathered around the throne in Revelation chapter seven. It's such a beautiful picture. I'll probably close with this um, because I want to be able to answer your questions and I want whoever needs to watch this to, to be able to watch it. I wish I could see your comments and your questions. I will go back and reply, even if you said something was not nice. And I pray that this can be an encouragement and a blessing to dismantle racism in the church. I'm going to talk about some specific things before we sign off. Now, uh, Revelation 7, John says, I heard a number of them which were sealed. And he goes through all of their names and the names. And then it says, after this, I behold, lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations all kindreds and all people and all tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb, hallelujah, clothed with white robes, my God, and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and all the elders and all of the beasts and they fell down 
before the throne on their faces and worship God saying, Amen. Blessing, glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, honor, and power, and might be unto our God forever and ever. And that is an eternal worship by people with ethnicity around the throne in eternity. So for us to say that it doesn't matter and that this is media hype, listen, there's a divine message in the midst of these last, the, the, the perilous times and the turbulent times of these last days. We need to get a hold of what God is saying. Thy kingdom come, we're supposed to pray, right? That's what we're supposed to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This is the picture of what God wants in earth. We're supposed to make it happen in heaven. And my brothers and sisters, you cannot do it thinking of African-Americans as the ones who should clean your bathroom and the Latino church that, you know, rent space from you as the ones who should be your janitors and you never hire them. You bring them on board for the summer, but you never put them in leadership in the church. There's a reason there's, there's, there's something in your heart and your mind that would allow people to be in subjective de degrading spaces and never equal with you. And I'm going to tell you in the church, when we have this expression about African-Americans and how entertaining and how moving they are, listen, we're more than singers. We're more than psalmists. We are apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers, right? We are full of the spirit of God, which is what we saw with Acts chapter six. That's where Stephen the martyr came from. The Bible said that the apostles said, look out among yourselves, lift up the best of yourselves to meet this need, right? And that's where we have Stephen who was full of faith, so full of faith that when he was being stoned, he could see into the heavenlies and Jesus Christ himself got up off the throne to welcome him into the kingdom. I don't know how you perceive, and I tell you, I don't know what you've chosen to dismantle in your mind regarding how the world tells us since the days of slavery and up till now that you're supposed to perceive me and people in brown skin when we have the leader of this nation saying that people from Haiti come from an s-hole country and why would we let them in? The devil is a liar and the blood of Jesus is against him. We speak and we declare in the name of Jesus and if you accept that, now I'm not talking about your vote so that we cannot have abortion or whatever Christian conservative values you wanna say that that man supports. God forgive him and God help him. When a national leader speaks something like that over a nation, we should be grieved. How dare we say that we stand with a president to open the doors of a church when he speaks against nations and we are silent. Why would you be silent and unmoved that a national leader speaks so derogatorily about other nations? And then when he says that America should open our doors for the church, then we have a voice. Then we have something to say, no, beloved, something is wrong. Something is disconnected. But God would call us to repentance and to correct these things, right? Because we know in the spiritual realm, hear me, don't lose me because I'm talking, to, don't let, don't, don't lose, don't get lost because I'm talking about politics. When a national leader says a word about another nation, 
it can be corrective. It can be um, convicting. It can be correcting, right? But when you have a national leader, please hear me. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the spirit. I'm talking in the spirit realm. When a national leader stands in the spirit realm and curses another people in another nation, he's held accountable to God for that. And certainly if he's speaking something that is not true. I had a pastor from Easton come onto my page and said, well, he, what he was saying was true. How would you like to live in Haiti? How would you like to live in these third world countries? Well, let me tell you, I've been there by the grace of God. And I've seen the beauty of those lands. I've seen how they've been racked and, and how they have been depleted of their resources. I was just sharing with a, a beautiful brother recently and he came to the realization that uh, for the African uh, continent to go from, you know, being a place of, of complete beauty and, and universities and mathematicians and, and dynasties to the depleted place that much of it is now, not all of it, but much of it. And we do them a great disservice. We do our brothers and sisters a great disservice to believe the hype that's put into television and ads that it's all poverty and it's all, you know, just uh, savages. And, and, and that notion is, is, is against the thought of God about his nations and his people that he created. But when we see that for 400 years, brothers, sisters, mathematicians, lawyers, doctors were dragged out of their home. America has the reputation and in the spirit, if you really think about this, I mean, the blood of Abel, one man, the blood of one man cried out to God when he was killed by his brother Cain. What do you think the seas are saying to God about the African men and women that threw themselves into the depths of the sea rather than be kept in their feces stacked on top of one another like less than animals. What do you think that sea is crying out to God? What does that say to God? But you have no compassion, no compassion for their cries. And your response to that is, I never owned a slave. Is that the heart of Christ? Do you think that Jesus himself on the throne and that God is not still listening to those voices and listening to those cries and listening to their blood crying out? People were castrated. Women were raped. Babies were killed. If they were too dark, they were thrown in the river. There was a law put in place that if you killed a small child who was a slave, while correcting them, that the women would get off carte blanche. And they made the law because that was happening by and large, and they were not going to hold those white women responsible for the death of those black babies. And the law was put in place. Again, a government system was put in place to enforce the hatred. And if we do not begin as the body of Christ, speaking into this spirit of hatred and casting it down, the Bible tells us, Jesus said, that if you try to take a city and don't first bind the strong men, I'm talking to my brothers and sisters who are like, we're going to sing the blessing, right? 
If you don't first bind the strong man, how can you take the city? How can we claim this city for Christ? How can we speak into any notion of violence or what we deem as an unlawful protest or an inappropriate activity? The Bible tells us that the prophets of old cried out, woe is me for I am an unclean man and I dwell among an unclean people. And that's when God showed up. But you want to stand in a political stance and say, I never owned a slave. We're looking for anointed people who will accept and, and, and stand in the gap and accept the responsibility as wall warriors like Ezra and Nehemiah as watchmen on the wall. Where are the watchmen to say this thing was coming, right? Where are the watchmen that could see the pandemic would disproportionately affect blacks and Latinos at astronomical rates? Where are the watchmen? We're calling for the watchmen on the wall to say that the next time that something like this comes across the media screen, we'll have both the discernment to understand what it is, that it is, and how to bring in the oil and the wine. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Well, it was the one that they thought that was less than that was pouring in the oil and the wine. So now African-Americans have to be the one to pull up their own strength, their own salve, their own song, their own balm, because our white brothers and sisters and our Latino brothers and sisters in white skin don't wanna sit down with us and don't wanna come to the great physician with us. And the only way we can get you to even see our pain is when the death of someone is recorded on a video. You could have heard the cries long before if you even cared to listen. But it's the heart of God that makes us even want to listen. So I implore you, even before hearing my cry and the cry of those whose blood has been shed, statistically, police brutality I'm telling you, the blood that is in the streets of this nation because of that stronghold needs to be addressed in the spirit. Especially, again, because those in power, the Bible says, through Genesis to Revelation, are required to hold up justice especially. It is not a media uh, con, you know, con contraption that police brutality is of a special concern and of great concern. The Bible says God himself said, I hate an unjust balance, but the ones who are set up as judges and magistrates, they are the ones who are held to a standard to do righteousness and integrity. And the Bible tells us even at our, our basic level, he showed you, O son of man, what it is that he requires of you to do justice, to do justice, not to post it, not to talk it, not to counsel it, not to, you know, platform it, but not to sing it. Do, do justice. Now, if in doing those things you are doing justice, then amen. But if that's all you're doing and you're not reversing and really getting into the spirit of God to really represent him, do justice. Love mercy. Don't just have an affair with it over the next three weeks and then drop off the hashtag. Do justice. Love mercy. Be in love with mercy. Be in love. Somebody saying, well, live like a thug, die like a thug. That is not loving mercy, my brother and my sisters. And I'm hearing that from your pulpits and from our platforms. God, forgive us. God, forgive us. God, forgive us. Love mercy and walk humbly. 
walk humbly before your God. And let me tell you, for those of you who may not know me, as I'm sharing this, you can imagine the, the depth of love and compassion you have to bathe yourself in to be able to live in the Lehigh Valley as an African-American, as a person of faith. I have never, by the grace of God, denied uh, an invitation from any other church, and our family has never. When we're invited to go, whatever culture, whatever people we're invited to, and I'm saying that to say, there are examples of people who are washed in the blood, saturated in prayer. You know, and I'm not talking about a Pollyanna, oh, we forgive you, right? But when the Spirit of the Lord calls you and anoints you to address these things, you cannot do anything but walk in love, or you won't be able to minister the way God has called you to minister. The only reason that I'm able to say these things to you and that my words don't fall to the ground is that there's a true prophetic anointing and moving in love if the Bible tells us, remember in 1 Corinthians 13, that if you do all of these spiritual things, but you don't have love, you're just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Let me invite you to hear the symphony of the love of God with the prophetic, right? Speak in tongues of men, speak in tongues of angels, and walk in love. Walk in the supernatural things and understand this from a place of supernatural ability and supernatural wisdom and love so that we can make the symphonic sound that God is calling us to make. I'm going to sign off with that. I pray that you take a look at these scriptures yourself. I'm going to call them out one more time. Looking at the spiritual warfare that is set up with governments, please see 2 Timothy 3, particularly verse 8 that notes Janus and Jambres as um, the diviners and sorcerers that backed up the oppression that Egypt put against the children of Israel, that God sent Moses to break and to bring them out for deliverance. You can see this noted in Exodus 7, 8, and 9, and 10. Particularly, it notes what the sorcerers were doing there. And then also, you'll take a look at Daniel chapter 10, where um, Daniel is visited by a host of heaven, reminding him, of and giving him divine insight about the host of heaven and the spiritual warfare that was happening there in that particular region. 2 Corinthians 10.4 The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We read this in the very beginning. Casting down imaginations. There's a thought that says white supremacy in a certain culture is higher. We cast it down. Every high thing, come on church, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God whether it was a bad experience or a lifetime of experience that you now have with African-Americans, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, that we are divinely given by God to be in this earth and to be family, cast it down. Bring into captivity every thought, which is me not loving you, you not loving your brother or whatever it is. Bring it to the obedience of Christ in the name of Jesus. We also looked at Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, we are told here to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Amen. We put on the whole armor of God because Ephesians six twelve tells us we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You're not my enemy. The president isn't my enemy. The government isn't my enemy. The Bible says we wrestle against principalities. Amen. And against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. And these are examples of where you can see the spirit of division and the spirit of racism and the sin of racism at work. 
It is at work as a principality. It is at work in a power and it covers certain regions and has held America long enough and should not be in operation in the church. So that is Ephesians chapter six. And then again, we looked at second Timothy and the example of John chapter four, where Jesus sits with the woman at the well. So I want to just encourage you. And I pray that this preaching on the anointing has encouraged you to address this thing in the spirit, right? We need to do some things in the natural, but we cannot leave off addressing it in the spirit. And I wanted to especially share this for those of you who I just want to invite you to understand prophets that address problems are not the problem. The prophetic addressing of a problem is not the problem. It is not causing division to address that there is division in the body of Christ. Some of the posts you may have seen regarding Sunday racism. It is an address of the problem and a prophetic address that that might add. It is not making the prophet the problem. The problem is the problem, right? And the principality is the problem. So I say to you, pray, move in your prophetic notion and speak to these evils. And listen, remember the prophet prayed, Lord, open his eyes. There are some prophets that can see things you may not see. There may be a prophetic voice and a prophetic insight that your African-American brothers and sisters can see that you cannot. But when we pray, Lord, open their eyes, let them see. Don't keep your eyes closed. Open your eyes and see what God is doing and would desire to do. Let he that has an ear hear what the Spirit says to the church. This is not about everybody getting along. We see from Genesis to Revelation that God addresses the power group and asks the power group and the group in power and the group that has the complaint of them against oppression to do the fixing. John chapter four, verse six, Acts chapter six and Acts 10. It is a mandate. What is wrong? Fix it. When your brothers and sisters mourn and cry out to God, if you have been known and have established that you haven't fixed it in your church, your Sunday school, in your community, you're busing kids in, but there's no leadership like them to look at it, fix it. Let's, let's, let's fix it. Let's, let's, let's do what they did as the apostles and raise up and empower leaders from within. Mo many of our churches have been in, and we've had enough power, we've had enough position, we've had enough grant money that there should be a church in Pembroke, right? There should be a church at Little Lehigh, right? I mean, if, if the Boys and Girls Club can set up shop there, and we've been here in the Lehigh Valley over 50 years, 20 years, five years. Our churches are like 75 and 100 years old. And we're still playing babysitting politics with those families. Our hearts should smite us. Because the apostles said, look you out among yourselves. Anyone that's been coming to your church from those uh, projects or from those communities... They, they should be pastors by now, right? They should be pastoral leaders and apostles and prophets in those neighborhoods. Or instead of coming down from the suburb church that you have, get a hold of Pastor Haley and, and, and Pastor Sweat and, and, and the inner city pastors that are there and say, how can we help? How can we infuse what you're doing? That's the Act 6 model. And I'll tag them and, and I'll let them know I, I mentioned them in this, in this Facebook Live, right? And, and I'm not saying that because they're asking for anything. They've been there doing the work. Union Baptist is like 75, celebrated their 75th year anniversary, right? Uh, uh, 75 years of ministering to the community and some of you have never even visited or called. 
You've never even seen the work that they're doing. You've never even given. You've, you don't even know what they're doing, but you come to 7th Street and you do what you want to do. And that's your money. That's your grant money. That's your recognition. That makes a great picture for you and your suburban church. But you don't even know the churches that are right here in the area. And when you do know them, you tell them to come help you do what you're doing, but you don't go help do what they're doing. This is racism in the church, okay? We need to worship. We need to pray. We need to praise. When we speak, we need to get rid of this notion that white has to be centered because that's a secular system that's been handed us to, to us from the world. You can turn on the television and everybody uses soap. Everybody washes their hair. But you are not going to see a woman like me advertising soap, hair products, clothes. Everything is monocultural. And it's designed and represents um, what the white supremacist systemic system wants you to believe. And as Christians, we've done very little. We've done very little to dismantle it. In most ways, we act like we don't even know that it's affected us. You don't know the type of leader that your African-American brothers and sisters are and can be because the world has told you that they are incapable and unable. And many of us have not even done the work. African-Americans, a lot of African-Americans haven't done the work to reaffirm themselves and they can't come to your church and do it because all you want to ask us to do is sing and shuck and jive and borrow our preaching vernacular, but you won't establish them as leaders, right? That's wrong. That's John chapter four wrong. And Jesus is going to sit at your well and let you know that it's wrong, right? In the presence of Jesus Christ, you know, in the person of Jesus Christ and the anointing of the anointed one, I'm coming to your well to sit and say, We've got to make a better example. Amen? And your brothers and sisters, your white brothers and sisters should see you making the example. Amen? So speak up for those with no voice. The scripture clearly tells us to do that. And there should be enough churches that are known for that. Right? We're known for so many other things in the, in the body of Christ. Right? This church is known for the media. This church is known for their youth. W one of these days, a church is going to rise up and be known for breaking this stronghold of racism. And not because they made themselves the center and they made themselves the best, right? But because they began to empower others and do what Jesus did. The scripture says to cry aloud. Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. It's not just me, but anyone that you're cutting down because they are a prophetic voice to speak against this and also to cry for repentance and repent on behalf of the nation. Listen, the children of Israel, even after Moses delivered them, they fell out with him time after time. And all he did was go to God on their behalf, right? I'm crying out on behalf of the nation. I'm crying out on behalf of myself and, and, and the body of Christ here in the Lehigh Valley in the tri-state area, right? And when I post something on Facebook, it's with prayer. It's with fasting. It's not out of a carnal nature and it's not out of being flippant, right? And I'm in constant prayer for the president of these yet to be United States because the Bible tells us that. I want to speak a blessing because <laughs> the Bible tells us even as we've repented and asked God to forgive us that he will heal our land. Amen. It also lets us know that um, we ought to pray for those who despitefully use us. Some of you churches have despitefully used African-Americans, but um, some of you have set yourself up as an enemy. I'm not talking to them. I won't post that. They, if they think I'm going to say anything about it, they got another thing coming. Wow. God help you. God forgive you. But nonetheless, 
we can still speak uh, um, the blessing because we bless those, we bless and curse not, even those who despitefully use us. Um, and I'm not speaking against any church or any particular leader. I am speaking as, uh, as the Spirit of the Lord gives me utterance to address these things. We understand the Prince of Persia uh, was a supernatural power. We need to pray about the supernatural powers that are backing up this regime of our government. We need to pray that, and please keep in mind, whatever your political affiliation is or belief is about the president, there was evil and divine forces present, right? When he came and spoke, when the host of heaven, Michael, the archangel, came and spoke to Daniel. He was there fighting and the prince of Persia and those kings came against. Now, I'm not telling you to pray like I pray. I believe I have discernment about what those principalities are that are holding our American government hostage. But suffice it to say, if you can even pray, Lord God, let thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I'm not talking about, Lord, give the president, you know, people he can trust or, you know, praying um, preferentially out of your own spirit. I'm talking about praying in the supernatural, praying at a spiritual level, a spiritual realm, a high spiritual realm, where you understand that if this nation does not get God on our side, and I'm not talking about our actions, I'm talking about the spiritual forces, right? If we don't have God on our side, all of the perilous times and things that are going to happen in perilous times will fall so hard on us, and there will be no light to light the world. The Bible says that God's is shorting the days because the, even the elect can be deceived. So I also share this word with you, understanding that I prophesy in part and I understand in part. This is not the full and only picture. Amen. My voice is added to the prophetic voices of others. And the same, you know, the same balance that I invite you to have when you listen to me or other people with concerns is the same balance that I give to other people. When I read that Franklin Graham and, and Jensen Franklin and Paula White and these other ministers like um, Eddie James are standing with the president and, and I don't hear their voices for the oppressed, I, I take it with a grain of salt, if you will, and I take it in prayer because they are individuals who have stood in the word and shown themselves faithful in so many areas. And some of them have not shown them faithful in areas. Like they've been blind. They've had those blinders on for a long time. And we're praying that the eyes of our brothers and sisters will be open. But I'm saying that to say that there's always a balance, right? Because we prophesy in part, we know and we understand in part, we, we know in part. And that is a specific utterance and key principle when it comes to prophetic things. So everything is in prayer. We don't judge a thing before it's time. But we do speak and we do ascertain and we do speak as the Spirit of the Lord gives us utterance, all right? So we need to understand the Prince of Persia. There, were cert there are certain national things that are happening that are being enforced by evil principalities, and we need to pray. And it is our prayers that make, and really what we're doing is we pray for understanding. It's not praying our own thoughts, right? You know, like, Lord, help President Trump. We love him so much. He's against so much. That's a natural prayer. Spiritual prayer, God, give us understanding, give us wisdom, give us to know you more, give us to seek you more. That's the spiritual prayer that Daniel was praying, right? And that's the higher prayer that gives you supernatural understanding and that moves the principalities of evil away and brings the principalities of divine justice and righteousness 
to be able to enact and hold up the government so that it can be held up in righteousness. The Bible also talks about unclean spirits, which we'll talk more about in the, in the class and in the course, that control a region, um, such as the Ku Klux Klan being very strong in Catasauqua here in the Lehigh Valley, police brutality that we see higher numbers in areas where there's less African Americans, but more contact with the police. Those are individual regional demonic strongholds that cause that type of hatred to, to take hold. Economic disenfranchisement, church, please understand, if you live or minister to an area with a food bank and you don't have leadership in your church, you can dismantle that racism by asking the Lord to show you how to lift up leaders and empower them from within by the Acts 6 model. And poverty and lawlessness and other things such as that are generally shown show up in a region, which let us know that those are spiritual forces working against the plan of God for people to prosper and be in health even as their soul prospers. Amen? So we looked at some of these scriptures. It's not just that everybody needs to get along. It's particularly that the power group needs to, the dominant group needs to stop centering themselves. When you start a conversation, I would challenge you, my, my white brothers and sisters and my Latino brothers and sisters, support what African Americans are saying or doing without making yourself the center of it. I know that that's one of the things that we're so quick to do and say, look at this conversation we're having, but let me encourage you to look through the scriptures about how these cultural things were addressed in the word of God. Sunday racism that I'm posting about here on Facebook again is not to speak against the churches. We're calling out in repentance and setting ourselves in alignment with the spirit of God and calling for things to come into um, right alignment, like the spirit of the Lord and the scriptures tell us, but that's as a part of the church. That's a responsibility that I have. And um, we're not going to have a whole bunch of Christians out here with secular groups like Black Lives Matter and then the church says nothing. God forbid. So our food banks, our mission trips, and our inner city ministry needs to be, um, needs to be adjusted, right? That racism in the church that says black people can't lead and they can't fix these things for themselves and I need to be in charge and I need to save them, that needs to stop. That needs to stop, my brothers and sisters. And I, I promise you, if you call the churches in that neighborhood, they just thank you for even calling, you know? And you don't even have to give me credit to say, well, Carrie Holmes told me I should call. Stop it. Your inner city ministry, your food banks, find a way to do the Act 6 model and support your brothers and sisters. Don't do it for the photo op. Don't do it because it gives you, you know, your feels and the warm fuzzy that you went and helped someone. Find out how God would, and, and let me just say that thank you and, and commend you for what you have done. God is now calling us to a higher level of responsibility. Amen? Um, please don't be offended by like, oh my gosh, all those years I put in. Yeah, thank God. Thank God that you did do something. Thank God that someone was there. And now let us go on to perfection. Amen? In Jesus' name. Choir and music praise teams, your preaching style. Hashtag, get your own oil. If you, again, are borrowing from the African-American experience and have saying nothing about um, their pain, but you're borrowing from their praise, please check yourself. Please, in prayer, please. The pain that's in the pews and there's no leadership in, in, your, in, your, in your pastoral team, please seek the Lord. Please, let's repent and let's prepare a generation to serve him. Remember that Herod, Herod and Pharaoh... Each um, implemented severe, um, severe policies 
to annihilate God's people and to annihilate a cultural group that they disapproved of. When we see that happening, we will see entire cultural groups being mistreated, maligned, and talked evilly about. We should recognize that is not the Spirit of God. Whatever leader's doing it, it is not the Spirit of God. And uh, we are looking at how we can how we can change these things because God um, God would have us as we see in Revelation seven to represent Him, right? And and to to show a picture of what heaven is going to be like here on this earth. Please be encouraged. Please know that I love you. Please share this with anyone who can who can um, receive it. And please join me. I promised I promised you I would give you the information for the next three weeks. Amazing Grace, the spiritual uh, battle of uh, compromise and racism in the church, dismantling it and putting Jesus back on the throne. We pray, as the prophets of old did, Lord, forgive us. We're not putting it off on someone else, right? As the family of God, we have the power to pray. Let me encourage my African-American brothers and sisters, my black brothers and sisters, and uh, those who have been, who have been uh, melanated. Your cry matters to God. He is hearing us and he is answering us. I'm going to challenge you in the next three weeks to seek the Lord and see what he does in this nation because he said he would hear our cry. All right. I love you, my family, so much. Please, uh, any questions, know that if you post them here or you post them in, um, uh, if you have challenges and if you have disagreements, please share them somewhere else. Literally take my video, post it wherever you want to on your page and say, this is what I disagree with. Rather than come onto my page and in this um, forum and break down further, break down the spirit of your African-American brothers and sisters, not just me. There's people that are coming to my page and I've designated as a divine safe space, not because we can't talk and dialogue. We've been talking. We've been dialoguing, right? We know everything about the opposition that there's no oppression, black people that say it, white people that say it. Someone told me the other day, I should go look at Candace Owens, and she is the one who's purporting that Hitler was a great leader. I mean, it's just everything that's opposite of the heart of God, you hear coming out of the mouths of some of these people, and then Christians want to adopt them as, oh, let's, let's, you know, let's have them. Even when I post something of a secular nature or from a secular source on my page, I post it with some information that kind of informs you how this may relate from or with the Spirit of God or something that has to do with righteousness. And by and large, 95% of what I'm posting is from the Word of God because I want my page to be a resource. I want my life to be a resource, but certainly my Facebook page is just a little, you know, percentile uh, representation of that to be a place where people can be healed and restored. Even when we're talking about single women, I wouldn't let somebody come and be like, well, single women are a bunch of trash and this, this, and that. I wouldn't keep those messages up. You wouldn't get mad at me for deleting those messages, but you'll get mad at me for deleting your message or the message of your pastor, your friend, or whoever it was that said, you know, what's wrong with African-Americans and stop it and why are you talking about this, right? You wouldn't let that happen if we were posting about cancer and the pain of cancer patients. You wouldn't think it was okay if someone came and said, well, you know, uh, your, your focus might be on cancer, but I want to know what's wrong with people that they don't help out about, you know, people who have bunions, <laughs> you know, well, come on, just stop and um, don't do it. Don't post on my page. And it's not because I'm not a learned, educated, thoughtful, 
communicative person, you know, a person that can communicate well and that can hear people. I'm doing that in other spaces and I'm doing that in other places and I'm inviting you that if you have a disagreement, this is not the place to post it. There are many other places where you can disagree. You and you can literally take my entire video, go ahead and post it and say, this is what she said and this is what I disagree with. But here is designated, my page is designated as a divine safe space for this time being because there's very few places that African-Americans can go and voice their concerns or that those who are working as allyship with them can voice their concerns and their truths and not be beaten down by absolute disregard. And it, it just, it has to stop. So it stops on my page. But please don't think that that doesn't mean that we have not done the hard work of knowing everything that white America um, thinks and feels about African Americans that is not true and that is um, oppressive to us. We're aware of our oppression and we're aware of how it's happening and how you think it's not happening. We have to live that truth. However, um, there needs to be a divine space of rest. There needs to be a well. There needs to be a John 4 place where Jesus is meeting with us. I'm a woman of faith and I'm creating that on my page. Um, and I will continue to dialogue and look at other people's opinions and what have you through other means. I've been doing that for years, right? And I'll continue to do that. But this is going to be a well. This is going to be a place where those who are in love with Jesus, love the African-American community and those who love them and support them and all of us, Syrian and what have you, because there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a reflection in what African-Americans have faced um, that, that can be healing and hope for other peoples and other nations, right? But if you never let that healing water flow for African-Americans, how, how can it flow and how can it help and, and how can this healing uh, template even be given for our Syrian and our Latino and other communities, right? God forbid that the Latino population here in the Lehigh Valley would only come as far as the white supremacist system of racism has allowed African-Americans to come, right? God forbid that if you don't let and if you don't allow and help um, righteousness and judgment to be done for African-Americans, that every other group that comes behind them will always meet with that same level of opposition. God is, God is going to help us and he's going to break that so that every nation, every tribe, and every kindred and every tongue, before we get to heaven, before we get to the throne, will be gathered together. And on that note, I love you uh, with the love of the Lord, and I will see you soon. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.